Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey guys, uh, this is your homegirls here with another episode. Um, today we've got David Serpa with us today, and he is with XP Realty. Uh, David, I'm super excited to talk to you. I've been following you on Facebook for a couple of years now, and I just think that this might sound weird, but you're all over the place, and I love it. I love how all over the place you are. It's like you get bored with something and then bam, you go into the next thing. Yeah. So like, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you at, what you serve, what you do, get into your story. I want everybody to hear your story. I think you're awesome. Sure. So I, I, I identify quite a bit with the angel of death. I enjoy the transformation, the constant transformation of that really comes with embracing life. If I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And so like, it, you know, we get lost in what work is so hard and oh i have to do this and oh i have to do that well i get to do all all of these things and if you're not enjoying your job you need to reevaluate how you're approaching it you need to reevaluate how you're thinking about it and so at any given time i'm totally willing to burn it down i'm totally willing to walk away because i don't value the financial compensation that other people do and so i don't get lost in it i don't make money my aim and because of that i tend to do pretty well for myself so like uh you know i'm uh I didn't realize that I was on the autism spectrum until 33 years old, two years ago. And so that was a pretty big revelation, a pretty big opportunity for me to understand that my brain is wired differently than other people's brains. Um, and that's not a bad thing, it's a different thing. And so if I get the manual to my brain, well, geez, that kind of puts me up a leg up because this whole time I thought that I was wired like everybody else. And so um, that does come along with understanding that, you know, I naturally am a machine gunner. The Marine Corps put a machine gun in my hands because I am a little bit all over the place, right? I am, you know, my first book was Accuracy by Volume, um, The Machine Gunner's Guide to Real Estate. Uh, Now I approach business in a much more peaceful way, uh, which is, you know, my Eastern approach to the Western business climate. Uh, Everything in everyone and everything is God. Everything is sacred. Everything is you know, every moment is sacred. Um, and so I, uh, instead of doing what everyone else does and get lost their five-year plans and their one-year plans and their goals, I just do what I need to do that day. And, uh, and if you are not doing what you know you need to do, isn't that the problem, right? You don't need a coach. You don't need a broker. You don't need a team lead holding you accountable. You just kind of need to step into your own greatness. There's no one that needs to stand between you and God. There's no one that needs to stand between you and this higher authority. And so um, that's why I approach my life and my business in this spiritual way, because it's all family. It's all church. Wherever two or more are gathered, there I am. And we overcomplicate it. And so, uh, so that's why I am so passionate about everything. Um, for better or worse, that's who I am. So go back a little bit. Go back to right after high school. What did you do after high school? How did you get into real estate? Walk us through that because, I mean, you, you, we talk about how all over the place you are, but you're all over the place in a great way. So mm-hmm. go back after high school and how did you get into real estate and go to where you are now? 
I only seem all over the place for those of the people that are not living my life, right? Uh, so, um, you know, if you pop in other people's stories, it's going to seem all over the place. But I'm the leading man of my own story. I perpetually got my pen to the paper of my life. And, uh, and so at 18 years old, you know, I wanted to be a playwright. And, uh, and so I moved down to San Diego to do that. But before I did that, I, was, I graduated from high school homeless. Um, and my dad graduated from high school homeless. And if you don't fight these demons, you pass them down to your children, right? And so there is some generational trauma in my life, some generational trauma that's been passed down to me um, that I had to cope with, that I had to work with. And so I was fortunate enough to live with my grandma down in San Diego for a couple months. And then I got a job at Blockbuster, which was great. And I uh, loved it. It was the best dead-end job for somebody on the autism spectrum. And, um, but, you know, Blockbuster, the times were changing and it was becoming uh, more and more difficult to work there. I was doing professional theater at the time. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, everybody thinks I bounce all around and I do. I, I decided to duck out and I went up north to Northern California and I wrote a play that I directed. And then I moved to LA where I did improv and sketch comedy and uh, ended up joining the Screen Actors Guild the year that the Writers Guild went on strike, right? And so uh, I wrote and directed my own movie, which was garbage. Uh, but you know, I did it right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I ended up going to a veterans day thing with my sister who had, was an Iraq combat veteran. And, uh, I was probably the oldest dude there, not wearing a uniform. And I felt weird about it. Right. And so, um, I joined the Marine Corps at 24 years old, uh, 23 years old. I turned 24 boot camp. Um, and, uh, everyone's like, Oh, don't join the Marine Corps. Join this, join the air force. Or if you join the Marine Corps, don't join the infantry. And I always do what everybody tells me not to do. So I became a machine gunner in the Marine Corps. And, uh, and I went to Afghanistan, found all the trouble that I was looking for and more. And so, and then I got out of the Marine Corps with a fuse and reconstruct an ankle, jumped into real estate and made $35,000 in my second month, $32,000 in my second month. And, uh, which was more than I made the year prior getting shot at. And, um, but, you know, then I looked at all this money and, but then I was like, well, why am I paying a broker freaking 30% plus 8% when I can't even get the dude on the phone, right? What 8% is going to somebody that I've never met before in my life. And, you know, that's food that's not going to my family. You know, no one's out hustling with me. So I jumped around like crazy. I switched brokerages like seven times in uh, like three years, <laughs> like looking for value. Anyway, hundred percent of my team made over a hundred thousand dollars. I got up to nine people at that point including my TCL, making over $100,000 a year. Um, and then I grew it out to 28 people, became a minority owner in a brokerage, which grew up to 180 people, um, had a mental breakdown, spiritual crisis, uh, had to unpack my bags from uh, traumatic childhood, war trauma, things like that. And uh, so focused on post-traumatic growth, um, hated real estate, grew my beard out, wanted to be detestable to everybody. And... Um, and then I just decided that real estate needs a radical. So I decided to come back and uh, get right up in everybody's face and be a little bit palatable about it. Put on the tie when I need to put on the tie, shave my face so that everybody can look past my beard because people get caught up on appearance in real estate, right? Mm -hmm. and you guys know this. Um, and so when I go into Washington DC to advocate on uh, behalf of veterans and I've got a big beard and I've got long hair and I'm wearing new balances because they're comfortable. They're looking at me like I'm a homeless guy that found a suit, right? And so yeah. they treat me differently. And it takes me five minutes to overcome all of the objections that uh, comes with their, their flash judgments, right? So 
I hated real estate because of that for a long time. I hated the Congress, the Senate, all of these different politicians. And so I just tuned out from life. You know what I mean? But then I decided I'll shave my face. I'll cut my hair and I will be the six foot two semi-decent looking uh, white guy um, that can say the things that women can't say, say for themselves, that minorities can't say for themselves, that co some combat veterans are incapable of saying for themselves because it won't be received in the pill that it's packaged in, right? Right. So that's, again, anytime that somebody asks me a question, it's dangerous because I get way off on these tangents. Um, it's, it's okay. Hard to put myself into a, a, a box and say like, this is me and this is where I come from because I've been everywhere. You know what I mean? So you're like that. You're like the rebel child of real estate. I like it. You you see you see the opposite of what the industry should be, and to an extent, I feel the same way too. Like mm -hmm. you get so sucked into the glamour and the glitz, and you should look a certain way. But on the outside, you're looking in, and you're like, I don't want to be that. Why am I doing it's disgusting, that? Disgusting, so right? So there's a really disgusting pa past that comes with real estate. Right. right. We could get into redlining and we could jump in all this different stuff. But the thing is, is I didn't know that the past was so ugly. Right. Yep. I didn't know about all this different stuff until 2018. Uh, one of these directors from uh, from NAREB uh, spoke at uh, this policy conference in Washington, D.C. And my eyes were open and I was like, man, this is wild. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in Section 8 housing. I grew up with a single mother. You know, um, my dad was in and out of my life. You know what I mean? I grew up, you know, poor people. We tend to grow up violently. It doesn't really matter like what the color of your skin is. We tend to do violent stuff. You know, poor people beat the shit out of each other, right? That's what we yeah. do, right? And so at the end of the day, like, you know, uh, um, there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of bull crap that comes along with this stuff, but the, our world is evolving, right? We're no longer this, this world that, that values who can beat the crap out of somebody else, right? right. Who's bigger? Who's more masculine? You know, and so what we're looking for is these well-rounded spiritual leaders that can sit on the throne of the king, the warrior, the, the lover, and the magician, and be a more well-rounded person. Um, we don't need these caricatures of success. We need human beings, right? Right, right. So you're, you're like you said earlier, you're back in the game. So where do you sit right now? Um, how big is your team? What are you doing on a daily basis? Where do you, where do you sit? Where are you? Okay. So my biggest problem with real estate agents is we spend too many time, too much time hanging out with other real estate agents, right? So, you know, if you want to be successful, what the hell are you doing hanging out with a bunch of real estate agents, right? So what I did was I developed a, this, this, this brand called our community, which is about the community. You know, 60% of small businesses are permanently closing their doors after COVID-19, regardless of when they get back to work. So I say, well, if I could help you put some food on your table, I bet there's a pretty good chance that you're going to help me put some food on my table. So our community is a BNI in a box, right? Uh, I've got the stage behind me where we're going to have stand-up comedians. We're going to have ciphers, right? We're going to have uh, we're going to have um, we have a, a merchant market, which is like a farmers market. But I, you know, farmers don't get mad at me because there's no farmers that are going to be there. Um, uh, I'm partnering with local businesses. I'm helping them themselves we're doing our community news every mondays and fridays where we're talking about things that are happening in the community right and so my day looks different from any given point to the next because you know shackling yourself to a schedule is like wearing chains around right like it's just an awful thing anytime that you say yes to something you have to say no to something else right, right? and so for me like in order to 
embrace flow in my life, I can't overschedule myself. So every uh, nine to 10, every day, I teach adults real estate school. Every four to five, I teach high school students real estate school. In between them, uh, I am mentoring, I'm working in the office. There's this program here in California that is completely legal where we can pay unlicensed people commission. And so we've got this finder program that we've developed, which is essentially developing a street team of people that are incentivized to start earning commission on day one in the state of California. Because the hardest thing for a person to do is wait on getting a paycheck, right? Right. And so if I'm going to bring people into this and I'm going to mentor people into success, I want to make it so that success isn't the outlier, it's the rule, right? I don't want success to be an anomaly. You know, 87% of agents fail in their first year. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. That means that we're not doing our jobs as mentors, as coaches. We're not, we're not building community. We're failing as an industry, right? And so I'm looking at something and I'm like, well, if I develop a you know, community, a tribe, a group of people that feels compelled to share their food with one another, then we're going to rise above the ego and actually put our hands on society and make this community a little bit better than, you know, maybe what we inherited, maybe set a new precedence for uh, our area, right? So you think globally, but you act locally. Everybody says, oh, you know, I go in down in Mexico and I create all these homes for, you know, children, or I go to Africa and I give people clean water and all this different stuff. It's like, you know what? A lot of times people in these other countries, they would rather you just stay right the hell out of their country, right? But the thing is, is what America is done is we shackled all these different countries all over the world. We have 800 foreign military bases. How many foreign military bases are in America, right? And so at the end of the day, we talk about how an armed society is a polite society. I'm very pro second amendment. You should be able to say what you want to say. And if you can't say it, you should be able to protect that right to say it violently. I'm a radical. I'm not here to make anyone comfortable, right? And so the, 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 the right to free speech is important, right? And so if we stop acting globally, but we start acting locally, what an incredible change we can implement within our society, right? So the Black Panther Party became dangerous when they stopped asking for government permission to start getting involved in healthcare, in feeding children, right? And developing community, regardless of class, regardless of color, all, all power to all people, right? And so it's that message that was going around in 1965 to 1968 into the 1970s that was so dangerous for the establishment because we got to a point to where society was like, hey, you know what? We've had enough of the right and the left. We've all got a lot more in common with each other on the extremes than we do in the middle, right? And so when I'm looking at this, if you're spiritual, you have to be political. You have to be involved. If you're making money and you're selling houses, you should be involved in the community. If you're not, go fucking sell cars, right? So at the end of the day, like we are community members because we are selling homes. That is sacred. There needs to be a better parameter for success other than what is your GCI, right? You know, people are not bottom lines, right? Uh, People are not numbers. And so um, I'm looking at this industry and it is lacking humanity. And that's Mm -hmm. why I want to bring new blood into it. Um, Because if I can help people establish generational wealth, if I could help upset the setup by using a tool, real estate, which was used to deny generational wealth and then help to uh, put wealth into people's hands that were denied it, holy shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck up everything. It's gonna be amazing, right? And so when we look at real estate, we look at it and we're like, oh man, there's all this injustice that was caused through real estate. Well then cause some justice. 
wreak some havoc, right? And so what happens is I go and I speak, you know, I spoke to, to these different members, Nareb, uh, you know, I was speaking to Shaniqua Badger, who I love, I'm a fan of, right? And, um, and different people ask me things when they are not involved in the struggle, they were never poor, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, et cetera, and so forth. They say, oh, well, that's great. You're gonna go empower people to sell real estate in their own communities. And I say, no, I'm gonna empower them to sell real estate in your community. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna have them out hustle you and put you out of business because it bothers me that real estate is being done on the wineries and on the golf courses, and it's not being done in the high schools and in the community. And so anyway, I apologize. I keep getting <laughs> off on these. Don't. No, no, don't, don't apologize. Think, we love this. I don't think, I don't think a good majority and even myself all the way up until about 2018 mm-hmm. realize that the real estate market and you being a realtor has some flipping huge history. And when I say history, I'm talking huge history and mm-hmm. people take that for granted. They don't mm-hmm. understand, so it needs to be said. Yeah, no, what, what happened is the suburbs were designed to be segregated, mm-hmm. right? They were designed to, you know, so when you look up the history of redlining, like it's not natural for humanity to separate themselves the way that we in the West have decided that everyone should be separate, right? So right. when you look at the history of India and you look at, you know, basically what America's done everywhere, we're like, oh, let's draw religious boundaries between people and then separate people that have been living peacefully for years and years and years. Well, holy crap, can't we agree that regardless of whether or not you're a Christian, a Muslim, uh, whether you're Jewish, an atheist, or a mystic, aren't there some common grounds that we can uh, that we can walk on together? And can't we yes. accomplish more together than we can apart? And so when it, so there's men's prayer group, there's a men's prayer group that meets here. There is uh, we do open mic nights and all these different things. But um, I want this to be a place where the walls don't mean anything right? If there's a church, and when this church group met here, I said, listen, I love you guys. I'm grateful that you're here. I also want you to understand that every mosque is going to be welcome here. Every synagogue is going to be welcome here. And that's, then they want it. They want it. People are craving it. We have been sold the lie that we are divided. But when we all go back, it goes back to one place. It's all family, right? And so how could I want something ill for my left arm? How could I want something good for my right arm while hating my left foot? Right. And so at the end of the day, like there is a revolution happening right now. Right. So freedom is financial freedom. So we have to talk about all this prickly crap, all the, you know, the GCI, the 7% commissions and, you know, how to make money and hustle until you die in order to let people know that the matrix exists so that they see that these, that these finances are a tool to enlightenment. And that's why we perpetually have this knee-jerk reaction to these people who are selling oh man i'm pretty much just always on vacation i'm always on cruises whatever oh check out my rev share check out my rev share check out my rev share right so we have this knee-jerk reaction because it's disgusting to us um i did want to ask you like you talked about growing up um in a community with strife right so like we've talked about this the four of us internally and on our show a couple times, like what is it that makes success? And one of the hypotheses that we've come to is that somebody who's uber successful always is from some type of background, whether it's pain or trauma, hurt, um, you know, the need to prove something to somebody else. Like, do you agree with that? Like, do you think that um, hyper successful people can come from a position of no? 
trauma in their life or is that what creates us to be so insane and driven? Um, so Nipsey Hussle has this lyric that I love. He says, this knife in my back will be the, the pain that introduced us or something like that. And um, mm -hmm. so I think that we think that trauma divides us, that it removes us from society. But in actuality, it's what bonds us. You know what I mean? The fact that, you know, I have, I had post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Or that, you know, I had a traumatic childhood or that I, you know, et cetera and so forth. All these different things, all these different stories that we continue to tell us, all these things happen to me. And then I realize, no, 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 no. All these things um, happen for me. For me, yes. They're a gift, right? And so like, I have supreme passion and, com and compassion for my dad, for my mom, for my grandparents. All of them were struggling children as well. And so people, what's interesting is when you do good things for people, people question it. But when you do terrible things to people, no one questions you. Isn't that weird? Yep. So it's just become this thing where like, we're all waiting for somebody else to do something good. And, uh, and because we don't know where to start. And so, you know, that's why I say, you know, you think globally, you act locally. You know, there's all these different people who are talking about, you know, oh, the problem in Washington, D.C., well, what is the problem in your hometown? And what can you do, right? So we had this big uh, meeting that my partner put together, Christian Tikis, called the I Love Him at Kingdom Project. And we met at DP Christian Church. And it was people from the right wing and the left wing, all of us were there together to talk about what we could do about ending homelessness in Hemet, right? Mm -hmm. The mayor was there. She was amazing. There were city council members. My partner put together this beautiful presentation about what we can do to actually end it, right? Now, what happened is Los Angeles has started sending people out to Sun City, out to Menifee, which is close to Hemet, giving them $25 gift cards and telling them, hey, if you get on a bus, we'll give you a $25 gift card to head out, head out there, which is making the homeless problem worse. Yeah. Okay. But, and, and that's the illusion. It's making the homeless problem worse. These people were already homeless, right? And so I look at it and Jocko Willing says, good, right? Whenever something bad happens, good. I look at it, there's all these homeless people that are being sent out our way. Good. Send them. Are they not somebody's children? Are they not valuable because they have a heartbeat, right? And so when did somebody become invaluable to humanity because they are in pain, right? And so when we started criminalizing drugs, we started looking at people and say, oh, you're suffering. You've been self-medicating. Let's lock you away. There's no compassion. We've lost our heart, right? And so when I look at this stuff, and I, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And it's easy to look at the division in DC and say, oh, forget it, right? But can you not run for local office? Can you not fix problems without the permission of your city council? Can you not work hand in hand with your local government and empower them by giving them a way to get involved? Because one of the biggest things that we see is we're like, oh man, the police are on this side and the community are on the other side then be the bridge, right? I love that. I David, too. so I have a question. I'm, yeah. I'm part of Air Force. <laughs> Veteran so family. don't hold it against me. Um, but my sister's I, Air Force. Why would I ever okay. hold that against you? I like, <laughs> my, my, my sister went to, to Iraq, right? She's a combat veteran, right? And when she wears around her Iraq hat, people look at her and they say, uh, oh, is that your husband's hat? Is that your dad's hat, right? And so the thing is, is family. We got to stop doing that to each other, right? Yeah. Did you not serve? Did you not take an oath of enlistment? Right? 
family. It's love, right? It's one family. Why? There's okay. So don't do that to yourself ever again. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty passionate about um, helping my clients with mental health issues, and all my clients are military. Hmm. Um, so I've had a lot of uh, clients commit suicide lately. Um, and by a lot, I mean, you know, more than one, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and that's that's kind of an issue within the military community. And I've been trying to figure out a way to help in some way. And so the only thing that I've come up with so far is paying for like therapy outside of the military, like no questions asked, no documentation, like it won't go in your file. Paying for that healthcare and making sure that at least locally they know where they can go to get that. But I don't know what else I should be doing and how else I can be helping because it's such an issue. Like that, those are people's children, those are people's parents that are doing that, and they think that's their only option. So, because you seem to be somebody that thinks outside the box, um, I love your advice, like how I can help more with that. So, one of the the biggest um, the biggest problems, of course, that that is the suicide problem, and it's wide stretching. Of course, my my friend, you know, Zach Bach, and, and he is currently serving in the Air Force. And uh, so, um, and he investigated suicides. That's something that he had to deal with. Um, my, one of my best friends uh, committed suicide and, uh, um, here in Menifee. Um, and that was absolutely life altering. That's one of the things that sent me over the edge myself and uh, put me in a situation where I was considering killing myself. Cause I was looking at my life and I was like, am I a net loss? Am I taking more than I'm giving? Am I harming more than I'm helping? Right. And, uh, I had some bags to unpack. Right. And the, the, the truth is, is when you start showing people your trauma, they're not going to necessarily embrace you. They're going to say, Oh, why don't you go ahead and go talk to somebody over there? You know what I mean? And so like, you know, if you think that somebody needs an ear, listen. And so, um, when you look at people who are on the brink of suicide, they're also on the brink of something very beautiful, which is that breakthrough of an ego death that says, um, you know, I am not the meat, I am the driver. Um, I am not these things. My trauma bonds me. Those who are the best of us were trained in the severest of schools, right? Um, and so uh, there are a lot of different programs out there. One of them is the PATH program by Boulder Crest. That's where I went. As somebody who's not a Christian, I'm a, you know, I'm a mystic, I didn't want to go to a Christian program. So that it's PATH in Boulder Crest. They've got a program in Arizona. They got another one in, uh, I think, Virginia. There's another program called SAW or Save a Warrior, um, which is another, in a lot of these programs, they just make the phone call. You get a little bit insistent about that phone call um, and you stay on it. Um, they're going to make sure that they get out there. You're not going to have to pay for these things, right? And then there's another one here locally, which is a Christian program, uh, and it is called what is it called? The Christian program for uh, post-traumatic stress, Mighty Oaks, uh, Mighty Oaks Warrior Foundation, and that's in Marietta, California. Um, the problem is, you know, my sister's a combat vet. She was struggling. There was nowhere for women. She like she couldn't. There was nowhere, right? And so yeah. I think that, you know, understanding that when we build community, we give per people purpose. So when people kill themselves, when people are homeless, when people are struggling, when people are drug addicted, uh, a lot of these different things, it's from a lack of community, 
right? And that's why, you know, that's my brand, our community. And so um, it's not just about getting paid. It's about, you know, providing that floor that is not currently there for people. And so, you know, I want to start having these post-traumatic growth seminars right here in our community. Um, but one of the things that I've been doing is, you know, uh, Christian Tikas and I, we have this food drive. We pass out 50 boxes of food every Wednesday. And I just said, hey, if you could come out and help, you know, come on out. And what will happen is somebody came out who was struggling personally, but they just wanted to give food to other people. So if, and then I ended up standing back and I watched other people in my community serve other people in my community and they thanked me for it. And so when we walked up there and, and, you know, it's not, hey, do you need some food? Are you hungry? It's, hey, can I put a box of food in your car? And then before they leave, hey, before you leave, would you guys eat another box of food? Or do you know somebody who would? Can I put a second box in your car, right? And so when you start giving people these scripts for how to help people and how to serve uh, and how to do these different things, you'll start creating a magnet. Other people will reach out to you. And now what's happened is I have the, the owner of Skybox Bar and Grill, uh, Don Finney is an army veteran. He reached out to me and said, hey, with what you're doing, uh, you know how they, they do that big thing in Orange County where they feed all the people the spaghetti, you know, a couple times a week. Um, he goes, I want to do that here in French Valley. And then, you know, and then other people reach out. Hey, how can I get involved? You know, I just want to bring in food. And then so, you know, people started dropping off food. And then we say, hey, will you take a second bag of food from your neighbors? You know what I mean? Um, I didn't come from me. You know, I don't know what's in it, but this is a bag of food that one of your neighbors dropped off. And so giving people an opportunity to serve is huge because people don't kill themselves because they're broke. You know, 100% of the people that I know who've killed themselves were either active duty or were at 100% disabled, right? Collecting plenty of money. What happens is you, you take a warrior out of the fight and you don't give him a fight. Right. Then the warrior de destroys themselves. So you take a warrior out of the fight it's no good. You know what I mean? You take a pit bull out of a fight. He's been trained for fighting his whole life. And then uh, they're going to bite everyone around them, right? Until you start training yourself, you start engaging in the neuroplasticity of your mind and rewiring some of these things and rewiring some of these old habits and, uh, and get involved in humanity. Right. I care about my community tremendously. So um, I just want to your insight as to you know what to do for those particular people that are struggling and i wish that i could do it on a larger scale and have some here locally that they could come and you know no no no, no. That. I, I don't know how to start. i love you for wanting to do it on a larger scale right but uh i can't remember the exact quote but mother Teresa said you don't have to come to calcutta wherever you are there are people who are hurting unheard disenchanted disenchanted, disenfranchised, completely forgotten and outcast by society, right? And so our people are right here. And so we don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to create a national program. We don't have to do like, that's where the overwhelming part comes in, right? But what if you could help one person today? Yeah. Right? I feel like, you know, we're given this awesome gift of, you know, financial success through this business. And what are you going to do with it? And I want to help the people that I know are going through stuff. And right now I can only help one unit worth of people. Our what? community real estate school, we're going into the high schools. We're teaching real estate education. And whether you're going in after school at four o'clock and you're teaching an, a real estate club, or you're going into the high schools during school hours by getting your specific credential, teach high, teach high school. You know, volunteer at your local high school. What will happen is the parents will go to you. So there's this great uh, book, Malcolm X is told to Alex Haley. And he said that with the nation of Islam, what they did was they went to the youth and then the parents followed because the youth are willing to get involved. 
the youth are willing to work hard. We always shit on the youth. We're always talking crap about, you know, oh, the youth back in my day, we were blah, 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 blah. Hey, listen, then give guidance, stupid. Then give guidance. Like if you're not going to, don't criticize. If you're not going to, you get an opportunity to be a witness or you get to be a judge, right? And so if you're not going to offer guidance, shut up, at least shut up. At least don't criticize the next generation and give them a chance. Because when we graduated from high school and you know, I'm 35 years old, it was hard to get a job but you could walk into the local you know, restaurant, you could go to Blockbuster, you could get an entry level job. Now, if you walk in to get an entry level job, there's a single mother there that has you know, three kids that's working you know, uh, at an entry level job. The economy is absolutely under attack. It has been for a long time. So if we use real estate to oversee the largest redistribution of wealth in American history, wouldn't that be radical, right? And so if we empowered the powerless, through education, wouldn't that be radical? If we went into communities where, you know, we're not teaching financial literacy and we taught business planning, financial planning, we taught uh, open houses, door knocking and cold calling. And we did all of the things that the real estate schools are not teaching. We can empower an entire generation of people. The best way to create more black wealth is to create black education. The best way to create more Generation Z that are home buyers is to create more education and more opportunities within that generation. But when I talk to people who are our peers and I tell them, I want to teach 18 year olds how to sell real estate, they go, oh, I have an 18 year old. That just makes me nervous. And well, yet you would be so proud of them if they decided to enlist in the military, grab a rifle and uh, defend our national security um, for the next four years of their life, potentially lose their life overseas by shooting at a stranger, right? Um, I would rather empower that same 18-year-old through a commission boot camp or through financial literacy and then change their life at 18 years old instead of saying, hey, you know, maybe in four years, if we haven't destroyed you emotionally, if we haven't destroyed your body, uh, if we haven't destroyed your will to live, maybe you could go get a four-year education with your GI Bill, right? And so I look at the federal government in a lot of ways, I see an enemy, right? I see the, the group of people that treats us as a bottom line, as, a, as, as something to benefit off of financially. Because right now they're selling two things to us. They're selling a higher education and they're doing it by weakening our high schools. Our high school teachers are struggling. And so when you go and you, you say, hey, listen, I would love to teach real estate school. I would love to teach financial literacy in here. We just, we were just talking. Okay, so I had literally just told the girls last week on Friday that my dream for like 20 years has been, you know, Pro Professor Xavier from the X-Men, he has the school for the special kids. So my dream of all dreams is to have a school for the kids who uh, don't fit in standardized education and do not under, you know, they give no fucks about college they're entrepreneurial, they're creatives, um, but that are told that they're stupid, that are told that they're wrong, that are told that they're dumb and will never succeed in life because they're different. That's my 20 year old, that's me. And they go against the grit. Like I, I was 99th percentile in my ACTs, but I literally barely made it through high school, right? Because yeah, I'm, I they would it. tell me that I was bad because I didn't fit in with that mode and that model. So I was just saying the other day that like my biggest dream in the whole world is to have a school for all the finger quotes rejects who are insanely smart and world fucking changers that just can't fit in public school. But because I'm autistic and I never knew it, of course, I loved X-Men. 
You know, this group of people where everyone is celebrated for their and utilized for being individuals, right? Um, not looked at like, oh, I don't see race, everybody's the same. Or, oh, uh, you're not autistic, you're just like everybody else. No, I'm not. I'm not like everybody else. Now, here's the truth. There is not a single person who you could point to on planet Earth who is like everybody else. Not one. Embrace, embrace your uniqueness. Correct. Embrace your weirdness. Yes, family. Absolutely. And so when you look at it, the problem is that our special children are not being treated like they're special. The problem is that every child is not being treated like they're special. So like if we had developed an individualized education program for every child, I wouldn't have slipped through the cracks, right? And then my biology teacher wouldn't have felt the need to ridicule me uh, my, you know, when I came back from my second round of biology the next year, right? And so when we look at this stuff, the best way to find these outcasts, the best way to found, find the downtrodden is to go into the public schools. It's not necessarily, in my opinion, and I'm good, like our public schools are our best hope, period. But what's happening is we're trying to create these private educations you know, I don't want to drive past a public school on my way to a better private school. And because I will be denying every single child that I don't share blood with a better education. Right. And so instead of asking the high school permission to teach real estate, you teach it after school, four o'clock off campus, you teach it online, right? The number one Google term in business this last year was free online course. So you teach a free, a free online course. You teach on Mondays, everything they didn't teach you on real estate school. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all of the boring stuff directly out of the book. And then on Friday, you have your guided Socratic discussions. You talk objectively. You teach people how to create brands. And then that way people learn how to think objectively about their business, right? We do this 15-week program out here in California. I'm putting it all on YouTube. It's all free. I'm not charging anybody anything for it, right? And then we're partnering with this program through First Tuesday called CalPaces, where we give a discount for real estate school, a 30% off discount. That way they can earn their certificates. This is wild to me because like, I like to think that I'm pretty open and pretty aware of things, but like, okay, so in on Facebook and all these groups, like there's this always this undercurrent that we say out loud and we say to each other when we're talking shit in our little groups, you know, oh, this guy thinks he's a celebrity. Like Justin's favorite tagline is, um, we're, we're not curing cancer, we're just selling houses, right? So like we have all these celebrity realtors who are larger than life and everyone obsesses over myself included. We idolize, right? Um, and like always, all the time, there's these little conversations happening in the background where we're like, that guy is not as cool as he thinks he is. Like all he does is sell houses, you know? But it's actually not true. And that's what's blowing my mind right now listening to you because like we are physically, literally building the fucking communities all across the United States of America as real estate agents. We're changing the literal makeup of like the way Our that future. communities work and the future. Exactly. We're, we're helping new people, young people, people that haven't had opportunities before to own a part of the United States of America, right? So like if we back it up and we think about it that way, we have an enormous responsibility to steward this better than anyone is doing for sure. 100%. Yep. And I have no idea. I honestly, I have no idea what brokerage anyone is with, is with. And I didn't do the, I wasn't meaning to talk the EXP thing, but for me, part of the reason why I like EXP is 
I'm literally developing a tribe, a group of people that I'm sharing my food with. We are eating together, right? And so it's different for me than sending my money to a franchise and paying for someone else's family to go to an Ivy League education who I'm never going to meet, right? I'm obsessed with this because I'm probably just like everyone here. I didn't come from big means. My family was, you know, middle-class-ish. I was raised by a strong single mother Mm -hmm. who educated herself and made a good living. But, you know, we were not wealthy. Um, and my family's path to anything in life was hardcore education, college, master's degrees, doctorates, right? Mm-hmm. And that just didn't work for me. My sister sure. was the perfect girl who did everything she was told. She never missed a paper. You know, she's a nurse. She's great. But like now at this point in my career, by literal dumb luck, just because I found something I was passionate about mm-hmm. that is high income yielding. I have earned every single member of my family, including the doctors. But like, if we could reach the young community and let them know that there are options available like that, that would be so. So um, one of the biggest problems that EXP agents have is that they're trying to recruit people who are on their way out. You know what I mean? They're trying to recruit people who are like three or four years left in the business where everybody wants to retire. I'm 35 years old. I'm not going anywhere. I'm young. I don't want to retire. How boring, right? So instead, what I want to do is I want to educate people and I want to um, mentor people. 100% of my team made over $100,000 a year up until it got to nine people. Then we grew up to 28. It was kind of difficult to keep that sort of level of, you know, and that's why everything fell off. But that's why I like this stuff. I like giving back. I like the education. So instead of finding a bunch of 55, 60 year old people who are on their way out of real estate, I'd rather find a bunch of 18 to 25 year old people like these two handsome men right here and, uh, and then help them create an entire career in real estate. Um, you know, the people listening to this podcast aren't going to be able to see it, but like, you know, leaders create other leaders, right? So like I've got Daniel and Lika right here. These guys are, they're going to be huge absolutely huge they're already huge the rest of the world hasn't caught up yet right and then uh and then zach bach and amy serpa are getting ready to run commission boot camp both air force veterans they're getting ready to teach live on facebook um we're getting ready to have a, a mastermind about door knocking and doing unlicensed stuff this is christy right here right hello christy and uh we've just got all these people in the office that are either that are uh, like the experienced agents are training the uh the unlicensed agents And we figured out a way because the biggest problem that I have with real estate is that it takes so long to get that first paycheck, right? And so we figured out a way in California where we could pay unlicensed uh, referrals for people to generate business because I don't want to have a limit on success, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have anyone come in to my business, into our community and tell them that they are limited by my DNA right? Hey, listen, you can come in, but don't ever outgrow me. You know, you know what I mean? I want people to come in and with the understanding that they're building ownership immediately in our community. And it's not just them going to work for me and my family. I'm going to go to work for them and theirs. And people don't realize too, is I have a 20 year old. They're freaking cool as hell. And they're smart and they're worldly. And they know more than I knew at 20. They, they are in it, they understand what's going around on around them. They are passionate. They're fired up right now. Like they are an incredible group of human beings right now. That's right. My 12 year old is editing better videos than I am editing. Correct. Right? 
on her yeah. phone. I'm learning from them. We don't have to teach them how to use TikTok or how to use all this different- And they tech. teach us how to use TikTok. <laughs> 100%. So if you walk into any room and you think I can't learn from this room, you're not green anymore. You're not growing. You're on your way out. You're dead. You know what I mean? And so when I look at, you know, these young guys that come in here, I'm learning from them. Like you should hear, he recorded himself door knocking the scripts that he came up with that now he's teaching to other people. Right. And so um, there's this concept of, you know, and I love teaching. I love teaching. You know um, what happened was, there's a story in the Bible, Jesus fed 500 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And what is the best way to feed 500 people with two fish and five loaves of bread? It's education, right? So if you can feed people with knowledge, why are we acting like we should treat it as a scarcity, right? Isn't that the new gold, right? So if we're looking at these 20 year olds, they're absolutely revolutionizing everything that they put their hands on. The millennials kind of set this stage for them where we're like, hey, listen, we watched our parents get fucked over. You know what I mean? Like we, I watched my mom struggle and work three jobs as a single mother. And you know what? Fuck the entire system for that, right? And so like, I look at this stuff and I'm like, why would I not want to upset the setup? Why would I give a fuck about watching it burn down when it hasn't stood for anything good for everybody? And if you're not going to stand for everybody, you stand for nobody. And so when I look at everything that was going on in 1968, it is we're picking up the torch from what was happening in the 60s. The conversation has not changed. It went silence. And we were silenced through violence, right? Now through social media, we are more connected than we had ever been before. They cannot silence us. If they cut off one head, 10 more will appear, right? And so people, they talk to me and say, David Serpa, this idea with our community, you've got to stop telling everybody about it. You got to be careful because everyone's going to start, start doing it. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're missing the point. The point is, if all of us are doing it, they can't stop us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that if something happens, God forbid, my heart stops beating. This podcast now exists. If one person listens to this and does something with it, th then it was worth it, right? If one of you guys does something with it, it was worth it. It's I will have listening to you because you literally- I know my son in 15 years like if you sat like Lindsay knows Colin better than the other girls for sure but literally sitting here listening to you the whole time I'm like oh my god it's Colin in 15 years Colin is woke as yeah. fuck at 20 for sure so the, well, the beautiful thing about Colin right is that at 20 years old we know ourselves intimately at eight, 16 years old we know ourselves what happens is we get shamed into these boxes of existence you're a real estate agent. That means you have to act like this and you have to dress like this. And now, no, 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 you're a human being, right? Yeah. The, the, and that the, child gives no fucks about being as you should not give any fucks. So shout out yeah. to Colin. Freaking, you know, so th that's the point. So when people talk about, oh, David, you're all a little bit all over the place, right? I, I No, I just give no fucks, right? So I'm perfectly willing to walk away at any given point. Perfectly willing. And actually, here's the, here's the truth about giving no fucks when you meet somebody who says they give no fucks they care more than anybody else that you know yep right yes it is a protection mode to say i don't give a fuck right so like colin i remember seeing conor mcgregor at this pre-show when he was getting ready and i love conor mcgregor found out you know i'm an irish guy myself found that out recently uh that over you know like 60 70 percent of my blood is irish my dad's 100 percent irish he was adopted um we found this out like in the last couple of weeks 
So holy shit, I'm Irish. I thought I was Spanish. Um, and so what happened was Conor McGregor says, him and this guy, they keep going back and forth. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Him and uh, the, the guy from Stockton. Shit, I can't remember his name right now. Nick Diaz. Yeah. Or Nate Diaz. And so when we look at this stuff, you know, Nick, um, we look at this stuff, we're like, oh man, neither one of them cares at all. No, they both care so much that they're willing to put themselves through an extraordinary amount of violence in order to come out on top. Yep. Tupac Shakur. I love Tupac. I, I'm literally, so I listen to Tupac every day of my life. Me right? too. And so yep. like in this morning, I'm listening to, you know, when we ride on our enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm heading into work. And so some people in the office, you know, my partner and I we were talking at one point, he says, you know, I don't necessarily love listening to hip hop all the time. You know, he listens to Christian music. But for me, I love hip hop because it represents the duality, right? Right. Which is, hey, listen, I love my community. I'm going to stand for my community. Right. But if you cross me or anyone in my circle, I will fucking slap you in public. Right. right? And that's, and like, that's. I think at this point in 2021, we are evolved past the point of violence. But if you will not respect me, I want you to fear me. If you're going to stand toe to toe to me with me and you're going to criticize me in my circle, it should make you freaking nervous. Right. I kind of right. wish we I wish we had a little bit more violence. Like, I know that that's not a PC thing to say, but everybody's devolved, in my opinion. We don't get up in arms about anything. We don't care about anything. Nothing is important. We don't defend ourselves. You can come at people in any which way, however you want, you know, from a keyboard, like, and there is, there's no repercussion. So I kind of wish- It's like America has like tape over their mouth. It's like throughout the last 20, 30 years, it's like they have slowly put duct tape over. So this is what happened. We've become de-radicalized through the nonprofit industrial complex, right? So what's happened is the things that we should be holding government accountable for, healthcare, education, poverty, you know, drug abuse and mental health, these things like that, clean water. Instead of saying, hey, government, it's not okay to not work. Right, because that's the lie that we get. Oh, government doesn't work in anything. It's the private sector that's best for everything. You gotta, no, I, I beg to differ. If the government doesn't work and we're being sold out by our officials, we need to vote them out of office, right? Yep. We need to, we need yep. to change head. So like, if there were was a Republican answer, Alabama would have it figured out. If there was a Democrat answer, California would have it figured out, right? But at the end of the yeah. day, you have these far right wing and far left wing states. None of us got it figured out. What happens is those, this oligarchy up at the top has started deciding what we all get to do and what we don't get to do. Yep. And it should make everybody nervous that Jeff Bezos is entering education. You know, now he's talking about entering you know private education for kindergartens. And I'm like, that should freak everybody out. Everyone's going to be working for Amazon, living in a house that was built by Amazon while their kids are being educated by Amazon, uh, unless we start holding government accountable. And so I want to yep. see Professor X in government, right? I want to see the, the, the people that are like, how do we make this work? How do we take all of these different people from all of these different backgrounds, celebrate them, and then shape this land into what was promised us, right? So the truth is we have to realize we are who we have been waiting for. There is no You're like, you're like, this is great. I did not expect this episode to go like this, but I'm gonna say like, this is is amazing. It needed to be said. And I think as realtors, 
we set the tone because of our job title and what we do for our communities. And I'm so happy that we had you on today. Like you're, you're amazing. I have a two second, super quick question. Your wife is your wife on this level. Cause here's the thing. I'm a recently single woman, single mom. So into this shit. Like I literally have gone so far from the philosophy that now I read psychology textbooks for fun. Cause I'm obsessed with the brain and how it works and how it controls us. Right. I'm a nutbag. So like, part of me is like, I want to date someone be with somebody who's like super like this but then part of me is like uh we'll never get anything done and all we'll be doing is dancing naked under the full moon with a fire right so like is your wife on this level and how does she handle the insanity that is the sickness of becoming awake right yeah so my wife is uh in many ways more woke than i am you know she was kind of out ahead of me in, in a lot of ways she's a leader you know what i mean and so she's an isfj i'm an entp so we are literally quite opposites of one another um but uh what happened was when i was going through my spiritual crisis and i was looking at everybody around me and i was like everybody wants to use me you know when you're making over six hundred thousand dollars a year there's not a lot of people around you that want a whole lot of goodness for you. You know what I mean? They want it, right? And so I, uh, she watched me drive myself into a brick wall because I wanted to destroy myself. I was done. And anyone who was around at the end of it, you know, they were worthy, right? And uh, she was there through all of it. And when I checked myself into a mental institution, uh, she went out to see me every time that she could. Um, you know, when there were people in my family that were saying things negatively about me, um, she stood up for me. Um, and so, you know, she is my ride or die. Absolutely. 100%. But uh, the truth is, is at this point in my life, and you know, because of the fact that she has existed in my life, um, even if she her life ceased to exist tomorrow, I would be a better, more fully realized person, because she provided for me a safe place to unpack my bags. And there's a lot of things that are a blowback from having a spiritual crisis. When you're making over $600,000 a year and you stop, the IRS still wants to get paid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, when, you know, I'm on, I'm autistic, you know, so I'm like, Hey, listen, take me away in cuffs, get fucked. I'm not giving you anything, you know, like, you know, I, like, I'm totally willing to leave it all, you know what I mean? And uh, and become a freaking hermit, right? I mean, I'm not autistic. However, I know a list of every non-extraditable country from the United States for taxes, so whatever. <laughs> I'm not autistic, but get fucked is how I feel. <laughs> I was willing to take it there. Um, and no matter what I'm willing to do, if I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to start a band. She's like, well, let's start a band. I'm like, hey, listen, I want to open up an office and I want to have co comedians in here and I want to have ciphers and I want to have, you know, I want to make it a cool place to do real estate. She's like, okay, let's do it. So she's just like, she's always in, but um, she also is my ambassador of Quan, right? So like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Jerry Maguire, but there's that Rod Tidwell moment. It's like, she's my ambassador of Quan. She's my facilitator of all things good. So like, I've got five kids. I could not handle doing the school stuff with them all the time. I could not handle like all of the things that she does. And she's still my partner in my business, right? We still buy and sell real estate together. So like she makes it so that I could go in my, in my garage and write my books. You know, I could go into the office without feeling guilty about it. And whenever I apologize, oh man, I'm so sorry that I'm late. Why are you apologizing? You don't need to apologize. So the difference between what we've got going on 
And I don't want to poo-poo on any relationship that I've ever had in the past because we've been married here for, you know, I think three years now. So it is, uh, you know, a newer relationship as far as these things go. But uh, we're in a spiritual relationship, not just a marriage. We didn't have anybody at our wedding. We went and we did it by ourselves. Nobody even knew about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't even tell my mom. Yep. I don't want your fucking feet. Same. Right? I didn't, right. We didn't want anybody's opinions. Didn't give a shit. We're doing what we want yep. to do. So there's a song by Taylor Swift called Peace, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, I die for you in secret. And it's just this absolutely beautiful song. Um, and so um, the devil's in the, in the details, but you have a friend in me, right? And so, you know, and I'm getting emotional right now, but I love my wife. You know what I mean? Like she's my human. She's absolutely 100% rad. And so like um, having a spiritual relationship means that we operate in truth and in our truth. And so I'm not going to expect her to lie to me for me to be comfortable. Oh no, you're doing great and you're the best and no one can stand against you, right? She's gonna, hey, listen, uh, you know, she's gonna tell me the truth even if it's uncomfortable, right? Um, And so I will never be in a situation ever again where I'm willing to put on a mask for anyone for any length of time. And she facilitates that. If people don't like that about me, she's like, hey, listen, they don't like it about you. They could get lost. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, she's my best friend. So I don't need any other friends. I love it. David, you're awesome. We're so happy that we had you on the show. Like, literally, you're like the spiritual leader of, like, realtors. Like, we need more. You're the Sherpa Sherpa. We need more of you. So I appreciate that. You know, anything that you see in me, I think that that you admire, you tend to see in yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, you know, I tend to live it. You know, I tend to be it very loudly. And so, um, you know, there's a reason why we're all talking today. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that you guys are out doing in the world and for the industry. And I look forward to, you know, of course, our paths crossing in the future. I don't have to go anywhere right now, but I want to respect your time. What else do you guys have for me? I think that's it. I think like, like you, like you said it. Like I'm. Yeah, like, we just went to church for yeah. sure. Right? Yeah, you got it. Hi guys. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.